As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hi, it's Lindsay Hooper here, host of The Athletic Women's Football Podcast. Are you still buzzing from the Euros this summer? I know I am. Excited to see the players back in action as the WSL season kicks off? Well, make sure you tune into our weekly podcast because we've got you covered every step of the way. We'll have interviews with the top players in the women's game, plus former pros like Kelly Smith and Karen Bardsley and many more. Just follow or subscribe to the Athletic Women's Football Show wherever you get your podcasts. So a disappointing result and performance at Villa Park, but the cobwebs well and truly blown away with a 4-0 victory in Sevilla to kick off the Champions League campaign for this season. Plenty to get our teeth stuck into. Welcome to this week's Why Always Us. This is your Manchester City podcast from The Athletic. I'm David Mooney. Sam Lee's here. Hello. And so is Paul Bias. Hello, guys. Don't forget you can read everything on City and more in The Athletic right now for a pound a month for six months. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash mancitypod to sign up. You'll get these podcasts without the ads as well, so you can sign up at theathletic.com forward slash mancitypod. Um, it's a bit of a... Normally we, we're kind of taking in just the Premier League game and looking ahead to the Champions League game, so it's a bit of an odd one to, to kind of come into this week, Sam. Um, I wanted to talk about control in uh, in City's games. Um because I think Tuesday's win over Sevilla is possibly, I mean, Bournemouth aside, but then again, it, it, that, that was Bournemouth, uh, the most in control that City have been in a game this season. Sevilla had the moments where they were they were trying to build up in the game, and there was a few times where City were on the back foot. But by and large, they found the answers. They kept control of the tie for pretty much all of the 90 minutes. Would you think? Do you think that's fair? Is that, do you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. Um, there wasn't a lot of scares. There wasn't a lot of open space to run into and I, I might be drawing too big a conclusion as to why but I do feel like well there wasn't any of those passes from the fullbacks and Rodri straight up the pitch to Haaland and that's not the only thing that has kind of stopped City from having control but they kind of you know when generally when you rush it and get the ball from otherwise Guardiola, Guardiola always says the quicker you or as quick as you get the ball away, the, the quick as quickly comes back kind of thing. Um, and we've seen that this season in certain games. You know, the Palace game in the first half, obviously they were rushing and they were very keen to get it back at a 2-0 and they were playing really direct balls forward. 
to Harlem that weren't going anywhere near him and he didn't really suit anyone. And then after that, after half time, they kind of slowed down a bit, didn't have any of those. And, you know, obviously they ended up doing the things they needed to do and supplied Harlem to get a hat trick. Um, and that's not, yeah, there weren't, there weren't a lot of those long balls. Um, yeah, it was, it was all just kind of knitted together quite well. But I mean, that said, Sevilla aren't, aren't that good. So, yeah. Um, there's there's de- there's definitely going to be a few factors, but yeah, um, I think finding that balancing act and that control is probably going to be the key to the key to the season, isn't it? You yeah, know, having if you can have the kind of control you had last season without a striker, this season with the most lethal striker around, then you know should go all right. Yeah, that is, that is the challenge. <laughs> yeah, Paul. The, I mean, I'm, I'm I also wonder how much uh, the fact that um, City scored early through Haaland, which they didn't do at Villa Park. You know, they they, they had that chance where Walker blazed it over where he could have squared it for Haaland, and he'd have probably scored. Um, I, I wonder how much the impact of an early goal has uh, has helped City there. Just just to to mean that. You know they 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 don't have to keep trying to force the issue over the top, which they they didn't have uh, against Palace. They didn't have against Villa. Yeah, uh, it it played a huge role, and not just the early goal, but the second goal, because I think that um, Sevilla wasn't playing great. To be honest, I mean Sevilla wasn't playing good. They played like really bad. If I'm honest, I think that they they did the first shot in target like in the eightieth minute of the game. Um, but I think that when like the stadium was kind of like hoping to get like a new momentum. It's when just the second goal arrived, basically. Um, I think that at Villa, City had chances enough to probably not uh, get to the final stages of the game with just a margin of one goal. So that would have been an issue too. Um, but yeah, I think, of course, just um, as much as um, the early goals come for City, I mean, the, this fact of Disencouraging uh, the opponents that they are playing with, it's gonna, yeah, it's gonna play a huge role on it. Yeah. Um, in terms of uh, setup, though, Paul, is is Grealish being back in there a factor? Do you think? I think that he was really good, really good. Like you could see him, him like gliding past Jesus Navas quite a few times. I think he was good with his passing uh, as well. I think that Pep has like quite a lot of hopes that he can have a good season. Uh, I think that he was um, he praised a lot Jack Grealish on the press conference after the game. And just in that regard of trying to have more control without a false nine, having a guy like Grealish who not, is capable like to hold the ball and just to wait with it until the right passes just comes uh, after him. Um, I think it's, it, it, it's going to be like... An, uh, uh, usual selection for Pep, in my opinion, to play with Grealish in the left wing. Yeah, I wonder, Sam, if, if Grealish has become one of those players that you, uh, again, you only notice the impact of when he's not there. Uh, yeah, you know, when Guardiola came after, in fact, I've still not bloody published that article yet. So <laughs> I, I wrote there these words two, two weeks ago, but it was like, and obviously it was directly relevant to the Newcastle game, but it's like, if you. Like, how do you think Newcastle? Sorry, how do you think City could have stopped Newcastle from having those counter attacks? Oh yeah, maybe um, you know bring on Calvin Phillips to sit next to Rodri, which is what people wanted to do at half time. Maybe you put Kyle Walker back to more natural right back position. You know, maybe you double up on Sat Maximin, whatever. All those things. How many people would say play Jack Grealish? Like you just wouldn't, would you? Like, is that what Guardiola, did Guardiola say that? Yeah, well, he was like, you know, if if we break the the. Um, break the lines with the pass and we can run, then it's fine if we finish. But if we don't finish, then 
you know, you've kind of we've kind of attacked so quickly. Um, the midfield aren't set because you know the whole thing about passing and slow build. Well, not so much slow build up, but methodical build up with loads of passes. Is everyone's in the right position? So if you lose the ball, you're in the right per- position to go and counter press and get it back. But without that, if you go up the pitch quickly and you lose it, you're not in the right positions. All of a sudden, people are streaming past Rodri one-on-one with Kyle Walker and Guardiola said, you know, the only thing you can do in those situations is defend with Edison. Like, basically, like, the defence has got no chance. you just got to hope Edison makes a save, which, you know, is a conversation for another day. But he said, <laughs> yeah, he goes, but he's like, with Foden, Foden, he goes, Phil's always going, Haaland's always going. He goes, if you play with Grealish on the left or Mares on the right or Bernardo on the right, and Bernardo did play on the right, to be fair, he goes, they've got more more passes, they slow the game down and that's what they need. So like when people were saying Mares slowed the game down against Villa, fucking good. That's what he was supposed to do. Because it's all about slowing the game down and having more passes, especially when you one nil up. Um so yeah, in terms of Grealish, the impact of him being the impact of Grealish being more obvious when he's not there. I mean, you could say that. But I mean let, let's let's not pretend that he's been as good as he should be. Yeah. You know, he's like they're not missing his goals and assists when they're not there because he doesn't really have it. And but Guardiola wants him to have more goals and assists. Grealish wants him to have more goals and assists. And when when they've got that, we can say more clearly, you know, you realise his his value when he's not there. But there is definitely an element to that, and that is if we're if we're sitting wondering why City don't have control and they're playing, let's say, Foden and Haaland up front and Alvarez, let's say, that's why you know because because they've got no one really there to to slow down and play play more passes. And Grealish is one of those types of players, so he definitely does bring that for sure. And I'll do an I'll publish that article at some point. Yeah, just just there's there's one thing about like the control that now we were mentioning. Now I don't know why it came to my head right now, but after the game at Sevilla, Pep spoke. I think it was with the with with the Spanish TV right holders, and he said something like that was quite interesting, like in regards of the fast breaks that they do sometimes that they need to do more passes. Um, he said that he feels that probably City is quite tempted to go on fast breaks because of they have Holland up front. And he's such like a big weapon, like on the counter attack, that um, sometimes they feel like tempted to to to, to do that, um, and that sometimes they have to learn to not rush too much and just to pass over the ball. But um, he ended up saying because I think that the reporter we asked him also, there's like a bad point in having there's a bad side in having Holland, and he said no, 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 I, I haven't said that. Uh, I just prefer to have Holland. But we have to learn to read uh, just the situations to have a better control of the games. It's in, that's interesting because I, uh, when I when I sit there and I and I sit in my seat as a as a fan of the club watching them, uh, you know, pick up the ball just after the opposition have given it away and Harlan's suddenly breaking and you can see all that space. Uh, like it, the temptation is there to go look, just just hit the space and Harland will will kind of do the rest and. Like I, I had an I had an old coach when I was when I was a kid who always like when we when we used to play games in uh, like five aside games and you know you'd play in a cage like he always used to say take the shot on because it's coming back to you because if you miss then it hits the backboards and and it's bouncing out into a dangerous area but uh, like City don't want that they don't want the opposition to they don't want to they don't want a situation where they put a ball over the top it doesn't quite make it suddenly it's in the opposition goalkeeper's hands and the opposition have it back they can try and hit while City are not set for it. And it's a real interesting kind of dilemma, I guess, between what the fans want to see and the, what the fans kind of demand to see in this free-flowing attacking football that, that the players can provide. And actually what Guardiola sees will control the game and, and give City the best chance of winning it. And that's that's basically not to make it a basketball game. Am I am I reading that right, do you think? Yeah, well, do you remember after the Chelsea game when 
when City beat Chelsea 1-0 in January and then there were a couple of chances to counter-attack with like, it was one of those where the pitch was so open, it was almost like whoever was the runner, they were in their own half, so they couldn't have been offside and they were thinking like Foden tried to play one pass and I think KDB tried to play the other one and Guardiola said afterwards, he goes, I know we've got the emotion, we've got loads of people here and they, they're willing us on to do it but what we need to do is take the ball into the corner and do a thousand million passes. Yeah. It's all the same thing, isn't it? Like yeah. it's it's just it's just that, and you go back to yeah, fans love City, and this is why I've talked before when people were talking about the boring debate. Now, obviously, I don't think watching City is boring, but I kind of know what people where people are coming from because everybody wants to watch chaos, don't they? Everybody wants to watch end to end football, and if City played end to end all season with Haaland and Foden, to be fair, they'd still moan, they'd still say it's unfair because of Haaland or whatever. But I'm sure more neutrals would find pleasure in that because that's more the type of game that. Anyone would want would want to watch if we watched, also, if we were given the option of like two generic teams playing and we were told it's one's it's going to be like methodical and slow and a tactical battle or like end to end loads of goals. Most people would go for the loads of goals and obviously that's the opposite of what Guardiola wants. To go back to that Chelsea example and the thousand million passes and the Newcastle thing of we need to slow the game down and the Villa thing of we need to slow the game down. Yeah, just on Villa, Sam, because uh, obviously you said Mares came on and, and slowed it down, and that was good. Um, City, well, it felt, everyone was it, complaining that he slowed yeah, the game down. It's not good, but but they they did they did kind of it did feel like they were out of control after Villa had equalised, and I just wonder what yeah, they could have time. done to, to to change that because I, like because Guardiola. I mean, he's, he wasn't going to then suddenly make it a basketball game and he wasn't going to change the momentum because ultimately City should have been two, three goals up after you know after they'd scored and yeah. they just didn't take the chances. So he's, he, he well, doesn't want to disrupt the momentum, I guess. So the thing is, being at Villa Park at the weekend, I was thinking back to the final game of last season, obviously, and you just feel like, you know, you must feel when you're like Tyrone Mings putting, sticking your leg out to try and clear that ball and then it just goes to De Bruyne. You must just feel that there's nothing you can do like this momentum, there's nothing you can do. There was nothing Villa could do on the last game of, that, of last season to stop City winning. That momentum was just too much. And it was the same against Palace um, the the other week when they turned it around. Um, pretty much the same against Newcastle, you know. They did do right in the end Newcastle to get a point and not concede the fourth. But what made me think about momentum at Villa was, well, Villa have got the momentum now. The crowd were really, really loud. Villa were really attacking and getting bodies forward and you know the crowd was behind them and that does count for something and it made me think there's certain there's certain things in football you just can't really avoid and like momentum being one of them now i'm sure tactically there were things that he could have done and i think they were still i'm trying to remember now it feels so long ago the perils of doing a podcast two games later um I'm sure they were still being direct, and I think there is something you can do to stop that momentum, because you just keep the ball, don't you? Like what what momentum did West Ham have on the first game of the season? Absolutely nothing after the first five minutes, because City just kept the ball so well, and that is normally the answer. So yeah, there's definitely the momentum in football, and it did feel like it was very difficult to turn that tide on Saturday. But I guess the answer would have been, like we've said for the last five minutes, just a thousand million passes. Yeah, just. Just keep it like, just stop them running. Don't give them spaces. Be compact, and you know, if, if you kind of wrestle the game back and the control of the game back, then City can go and win it again. And when Villa did equalise, I was like, okay, well, presumably they'll drop back now, and City can build their attacks, and they'll probably they'll probably get another one. But it wasn't like that at all, was it? There, there was there was no consistent flow of the game. It was still very much end to end. And yeah, I'm sure more passes would have helped, but you know, mate, like I say, there was definitely a 
a big momentum shift in, in the ground. And, you know, maybe there is nothing you can do about it. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Paul, what about Rodri? Um, because I've seen I've seen a little bit of criticism that he's he's had a bit of a slow start to the season. Um and I, I just I, I wondered if if that was a little bit of a kind of a re, of a reaction to the team performance at Villa Park. Because then when you when you kind of flip it to, to Seville, um he was everywhere on that pitch against Seville. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm quite against the claims that he's had a slow start of the season. I think that he played he was probably, he's been sorry. He's, he's been phenomenal apart from on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, been, yeah. He's been brilliant. phenomenal apart from the last game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and against Sevilla, I mean, I think it was just another day at the office for him. Just, I mean, um, I was watching the game, um, or I just saw the highlights through like the uh, Spanish TV, and they were like all crazy and just praising how good Rodri is. Um, like in the Spanish TV, they they were just saying that well. I don't think there is a holding midfielder better uh, for Pep Guardiola than this guy, and I think that they are quite right. I don't think, um, yeah, I, I just don't think that he has had a slow start of the season, and I think that when he doesn't play well, it's just like a matter of a collective thing. Uh, I wouldn't blame him at all. Um, I think that in in terms of form and physical condition, he's in a good moment. Um, so yeah, well, just uh, it's always nice to have a good reminder of what Rodri is capable of. Yeah, cracking tan as well. I uh, I suddenly spotted that against uh, against Sevilla that uh, that he, you know he's still got the summer tan this this lo- this long into the season doing a good job there. Well, uh, I if think he'd that... have been training in Sevilla, it'd have been alright. You yeah. should see mine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just think that brother is like able to be tanned like for a whole year. <laughs> I I asked you, I asked you that didn't I when we went to we yeah, were on the yeah, tram yeah. to the City game earlier in the year. I was like, how did he do it? And it was Alvaro as well, and Alvaro was like, no, I think. You were both like, I just think, you know, little, like it's a tiny bit of sun and it just tops yeah, him yeah. up. Yeah. Imagine. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's touch on Gundogan as well, uh, Sam, because he came. Uh, what, what do you think he could come back in um, against Spurs just simply because of, the, well, Spurs are not Aston Villa and they're not Sevilla. And he, he mm. kind of, that thing that Guardiola always talks about, about knowing when to arrive, it just seems like the perfect opportunity for him. Oh, yeah. But I mean, don't. Don't get into what's going to happen tactically on Saturday. I've honestly no idea. Like in terms of like the back line, who it's going to be, you know, where is Cancelo going to be on the right or on the left? I guess on the right. Um, who's going to be left back? I'd, I and then obviously that has a knock on everywhere else, doesn't it? And then it, it's all it's all it's that thing, isn't it? Like, so maybe Grealish does play, but then does Foden play on the right? And then if Foden plays on the right, then presumably Haaland plays, and then it's going to be well De Bruyne, you'd imagine, and Rodri, and then it's 
Bernardo or Gundogan, and then it's, it's like almost an impossible choice. And yeah. then I don't know what what Guardiola is going to decide. Obviously, against West Ham, it seemed perfect for that kind of arriving and playing off Haaland for for Gundogan to do that. But you know, if Bernardo drops deep to help progress the build up, and means that because I, I thought one of the things last night, so I said afterwards about Akanji that he can break the lines like Laporte, but he didn't do that once last night. And me and Paul were talking, and Paul rightly said. As I was thinking as well, as you know, it's his first game. You're not going to be trying too, mate. You're not necessarily going to be trying too much in terms of line breaking passes. Yeah, you come in, you come in and have a solid night. game, don't you? you don't yeah. come in and go right. I'm going to, I'm going to boss this now. Yeah, exactly. Which he did, but and like, but it was. I thought it was quite noticeable that with Diaz and Akanji last night, they didn't have to do too much. It was just Bernardo dropping deep. Okay, give it to him. He'll take it up the pitch. De Bruyne dropping deep. Give it to him. He'll take it up the pitch. Um, so I don't know if they'll want Bernardo back there to do that or if they want Gundogan to stay high up like I, honestly no idea but I mean again you'd think control would be the watchword um, you'd, you'd, you just don't want to be you don't want to be giving the ball back to Spurs easily by you know Cancelo Rodri or Walker when he was fit just thinking oh Haaland's there banging it towards him going nowhere near and then and then you're defending again you won't want that against Spurs I actually asked Guardiola about that after the game and he was I mentioned specifically about those three being in deep areas and giving long balls over the top that didn't necessarily get next to him. And I was near to, near to Haaland. And I said, is this like, is that a good thing? You know, is it a different option you've got now? Or, you know, is it a bit rushed? And, you know, you're giving the, you're giving the ball away too easily. But he was like, how many times did it happen? He goes, once or twice. I was like, well, three or four. And I'm talking like per game or like per half. And he was like, mm, he goes, I don't think much. But the thing is, it's definitely happened loads, hasn't it? Like if we're talking about the Palace game, um, the there, was a, there was a massive difference between Palace first half and Palace first second half. First half and second half, yeah. yeah. And it's like you're telling me Guardiola doesn't know exactly how many of those passes were played. But then there wasn't any last night. So I'm, I am wondering if that's something they're going to try and rein in a bit. But the only thing I could say about the tactical approach, I don't know about who's going to be playing where, um, but just just don't be that just don't be that direct. And the thing with Haaland is we know he doesn't need, we don't need to force it. You don't need to give him loads of touches. Just give him the right touches and he'll, and he'll score. So that, that's got to be the message, really. Yeah. Um, Paul, is there a situation brewing with Walker being injured? Um, because we don't know if he'll be back for, for Spurs at the weekend. Uh, it kind of means that... No, he probably it, is out. Quite yeah. Probably out of the international break. Oh, right. Okay. Well, in that case, um, I, it, it almost certainly means that Cancelo will play on the right-hand side. Uh, so what, what did City do on the left-hand side? Because... I mean, Gomez against Sevilla was was pretty good, but again, was Sevilla. Ake's got the experience, but isn't a left-back. Yeah, I don't think Gomez is going to play against Tottenham. Um, mm. And then, um, assuming that, then you have two options, which are uh, using John Stones that you would have to, I don't know, if force him or if he would be back in time, but you using John Stones as a right-back or using Nathan Ake as a left-back. Um, I guess that's that's going to be the defense plus with like the system that Tottenham plays, like the three guys up front. I mean, you need to be solid the, 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 the defensively just to contain them. Um, so yeah, I think that yeah, it's going to be on, on the bodies that Pep has at his disposal. Um, but I think that Gomez, as much as he looks good and he looks uh, comfortable with the ball at, on on his feet, and he can be a good addition to that team, you don't want to rush him too much and just put him like to play 90 minutes on the Tottenham game on the on a game against Tottenham. So that's basically why I think that that he, he's not gonna start on the weekend. 
Yeah, I'm interested though uh, because I mean the three of us again at the start of the season were when talking about Walker coming inside, uh, we're like, well, you possibly don't want Walker doing it against teams like Liverpool, and I would put Tottenham in that bracket as well. You wouldn't oh, want them doing it. it yeah. Uh, yeah, again. yeah, yeah. I think we've established um, now there's a lot of teams you don't want it to happen against. But uh, Cancelo doing it though, Paul, um, it's, it's different from the right hand side with him doing it, is it? Yeah, yeah. Well, basically, with with Cancelo playing there, it's like playing with an extra midfielder. Basically, I mean, he has no issue at all just to dip inside. Um, it's another story. Uh, the thing with Cancelo is that sometimes I have the feeling that, or he he has a great game or he has a really bad game. There's no like middle term with him. Um, it's like me and podcasts, but, either great or absolute rubbish. <laughs> well, uh, I didn't say that. <laughs> But yeah, um, of course it's like more natural for Cancelo. But yeah, I'm sure that Pepsi is something in there that we don't see because, uh, like, watching games with Sam on the press box, we, I mean, we fairly agreed that Walker wasn't like looking great on midfield. But then he just stuck with with putting Kyle Walker in there. So, um, but yeah, I think in the coming games, in the coming games, maybe just because of the injury of Walker, now Cancelo is gonna have to play in that role and probably for the good. We'll see. Yeah. Does a does a Kanji keep his place, do you think, Sam? I think so. Yeah. I, I think, think so. so. But basically for the bodies that they have, right? Yeah. And like there's no unless there's a okay, Sevilla's one thing, Spurs is another situation, which we expect to happen with Gomez. He played well and it's like I I Ake left back, my best guess, which means sod all. But my best guess of the back four is Cancelo right back, Diaz and Akanji, and Ake left back. Oh, because I think Stones is out and Walker's out and Laporte's out. So I don't know what I should do. I mean, I'm sure there will be something, but I can't think of anything else. So I guess that will be it. So yeah, Akanji. Good luck to you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's different. You know, and I, I know There's a whole lot of narrative fans. about this fixture, right? You've got to, that you, that you've well, got to, load, you're going to find out the first time. Yeah. Absolutely loads of it. And also, Son hasn't scored this season. It's been a big thing for Spurs, hasn't it? So that's a hat-trick at least. Harley's going to need to get four, which, you know, he probably will. Yeah, but but the Son hat-trick will come with an expected goals of like 0.07, while Haaland will miss all of his chances despite being an expected goals of nearly 10. It's like it's just how it works against Spurs. Yeah, yeah. Be good. It'll be a good game. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. It's, diff- it's difficult. I mean, it's not difficult to know where City are this season. But do you know what I mean? Like, it's not like they're fully amazing. Like, they're they're very good and still, like, big favourites to win the league and the Champions League, as I wrote the other day. Um, but, it's you know, it's not like they're beating Sevilla 4-0 every weekend, is it? Like, those Villa and Newcastle results were a bit of a reminder that, oh, okay. And obviously Spurs well, being a proper test is like, okay, let's see. Let, let's see where they are. This is it. I like. I, I got asked at work today. Uh, do you think City have put a full ninety minutes together yet? And I like. I think Sevilla's like the first one where they've actually done that. Um, Bournemouth. Well, is, I mean, like, like I said, Bournemouth as well. But like Bournemouth, Bournemouth as well. Bournemouth. Forest as well. Forest as well. Yeah. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you start saying, "Oh, well, those three don't count because the opposition weren't very good, and you can't yeah. really do that." And they've only played um, on seven, eight. Yeah, exactly. Seven games. Um, and West Ham was great as well, really. Yeah. West Ham was absolutely fine. No problem at all. So, 
Yeah, so that's four out of the seven, I would say. <laughs> yeah, more than 50%. It's, uh, you yeah. know, we're, we're doing all right there. Um, Paul, what do you think uh, Guardiola can do to, to kind of keep control of this game? Because, you know, there is a history of Son and Kane cutting through City's middle like a hot knife through butter. And yeah. I, I, I'm just wondering if, you know, if the watchword of this season has been, you know, how does City keep control of these games? This is a, this is a real test for them to do that. So what, what do you think Guardiola does to, 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 to make sure that they, that, that they don't succumb to the same old problems against Spurs? That's, that's a good question. And if I would know the exact answer, I would probably um, be working at, as a manager at Man City. Yeah. Be in the dugout. And yeah. just earning like loads of money. <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if one of Bernardo Silva or Gundogan go like, go like deeper and just uh, play alongside Rodri um, just I think that you don't want to risk any kind of uh, ball loss in the build up against those teams that they but basically Tottenham is going to leave for any ball that City is going to lose in transition so um, I wouldn't be surprised if Pep yeah, just, just puts an extra midfielder alongside Rodri Um and yeah, just just from there start like or orchestrating all the attack. I, I think that just having the ball in that position and just putting another man just close to Hurricane in the zone where Hurricane tends to drop, um, I think that can be a good solution in my opinion. But again, I'm not that the, Guardiola. The, the, but, the weird yeah. thing about Kane dropping off uh, in the game in when was it February? Diaz has never went with him, and Diaz is the most aggressive. Go with the man who drops yeah. off and kick him in the back defender I can think of. I, seen, I, I seem to remember him last season doing it like sometimes as high as the opposition, like 18 yards. Well, I remember like. against Southampton, he was doing it, yeah, like after set pieces and stuff. In fact, it wasn't always set pieces. Sometimes it was kind of open for play or just after throw-ins or whatever. But yeah, he was doing it around 18, 20 yards out. Like he's, he's the most aggressive centre-back that I can think of, which is probably because I watch about four non-City games a year. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah but- it, it was a bit strange that he hadn't done that. Yeah, but then if you want one centre back just to follow Kane wherever he drops, you need two more centre backs to stay back. Yeah, yeah for Tot- sure. Tottenham is going to play with Son and Kulusevski or Son and Rich Harlison. Mm. So yeah, but that- at that time they had Kane. Sorry, that Kane. They had Walker. Um, and yeah. I don't know who the, who the other centre back was. I can't remember. Yeah, but, the stones, but but I mean, it's going to make more sense if you play like with three centre backs and nothing okay, Let's say as a left back. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. So you've still got Stones and Ake, yeah. Yeah, just to allow like the extra centre-back just to follow Kane. Well, Akanji and Ake, whatever, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. To your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's uh, kind of turn our attention to the the other end of the pitch um, because I want to address this this thought that Phil Foden's had uh, a slow start to the season and, and has struggled uh, because Guardiola singled him out for um, praise after the uh, after the severe game. He got kicked up and down that that right flank. Um, he, he felt like a performance to kind of kickstart his season. Do you think that's fair, Sam? Well, yeah, but I mean, just have to point everyone in the direction of what Guardiola said, and he he was fairly 
brutal by kind of Guardiola standards in terms of individual performances. I can't remember the wording, but it was basically he's not had a great start to the season. Yeah, and now he was good, so brilliant. So yeah, he 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 said that Foden hadn't hadn't started brilliantly. I think Foden's one of those players, not quite full Sane on the Sane spectrum, but you know we go into press conferences saying, "Oh, Phil's great, isn't he?" I think Guardiola's always going to say he needs to do this and he needs to do that because he knows he's great. But he, I think you know, there's always there's always extra stuff he wants him to do. Whereas you know, when it's Bernardo, it's just, "Oh, we love him," and he's amazing. And with De Bruyne, it's pretty much the same. But there's, you know, there's always that crop of players where it's, oh, he can do a bit more. And Foden's one of them. So I suppose it's it's not really a surprise that he said that last night. But it was fairly, fairly honest for Guardiola standards, because you know, normally he's a I'll protect you in the press conference and tell you privately kind of guy. Um yeah, obviously the th- the thing with Foden is not so much the performances. I know people were critical after the weekend, but the big talking point about Foden early in the season was those non-passes to Haaland, wasn't it? And then he got a couple of assists for Haaland and then he didn't play especially well at, at Villa, but kind but of I, in that yeah. way that... It, it, we're talking about having to slow the game down and Grealish not playing. And I wrote that article on kind of the process of Foden becoming more like Silver in, in terms of not not just always running forwards. And I'm I'm convinced that on the training ground over the last few weeks, there's there has been work done with Foden to kind of be like, okay, look, if you're in these positions, you don't always have to take the man on, come back inside, help us throw the game down. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's what he was trying to do at the weekend. And again, fans don't like it, but Guardiola's telling him what to do. I don't know if that's the case um, in this specific case, but it wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, it's that Manchester Derby conversation from last season, isn't it? Where it yes, was, yeah. Uh, was it, was it everyone wanted to go yeah. and was, Well, everyone wants you to go and win 8-0. Uh, but Guardiola just wants more passes, and yeah, the other the, the other one within that is everyone wants Foden to run Juan Bissaka absolutely ragged. But no, you just stay wide and then give the ball back inside when you get it. That's yeah. the plan. How, how much of the criticism, Paul, do you think is simply people have been a bit were a bit annoyed that he didn't pass to Haaland in the first couple of games? Could be, could be because we are in this point where if you don't like or just pass, pass the ball to the main guy, or you, if you don't score like two goals per game, you're, you're having like a bad streak. Um, but yeah, I mean, it could, it could be that way. I mean, it it's hard to believe because for them probably, if if you have to imagine one player that is being loved by the City fan base, it has to be Phil Foden. And and he has all the rights to be. Um, but yeah, maybe yeah, maybe it happened because of not squaring the ball to, to Haaland. But yeah, I mean, uh, I think that the more time that it passes, the 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 more that people is gonna forget about that because Phil is gonna score and it's gonna see small times decision basically. Yeah. Um, quick word on uh, Calvin Phillips. There was a nice little cameo from him on uh, Tuesday night. I was a little worried, Paul, that he was going to end up being one of those signings that you know that that comes in and barely and, and ends up barely playing. Um, but it's nice that he's been like he's getting a little bit more involved now that he's fit again. And I guess it's good that Rodri had some time to come off towards the end because you can't just run him into the ground for the entire season. Yeah, I think that the biggest enemy that he has uh, are the injuries, basically. Um, because all the games that he's missed has been be, 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 because of injury. I'm sure that Pep would have given like him more more minutes in games that they were already resolved. Um, just to let him like keep learning all the process that means becoming like number six at at, at Manchester City. But yeah, I think that he has everything. Um, he's quite calm. That I think that I can see him like 
uh, scanning a lot uh, before like getting the ball, which is a good sign. I think that he's doing now it more than than what he was doing it like at the start of the season or in precision. Um, so yeah, I mean it was a good a good cameo as you were saying, and yeah, I think that with the five subs he's he's gonna play like a lot of Premier League games in my opinion, um, especially because Pep knows that the only way to learn that role in the team is just to play and just to have more minutes. Yeah, and it's I, I guess it's hard, Sam. That's that position under in a Guardiola team because we saw when Rodri came in, you know, facing those transitions. If you are not in a position to be able to 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 cut them out, or if the t- the team at the top end of the pitch is not helping you out with stopping them, it's a very very difficult place to be, isn't it? Well, if he'd played against, if let's say he made his debut against Newcastle, people would be saying he was shy because it's exactly how you say, like, yeah, if. If you're if you're not all set up, you're not all in the right positions, and all the forwards ahead of you, um, the kind of well, not even losing the ball. <laughs> in that that one occasion we talked about against Newcastle, where Haaland kind of bounced off Fabian Scher and had and hit the shot post. That yeah, Pope tipped onto the post, which was great play. And all of a sudden they were counter attacking, and everyone was getting bypassed. Yeah, it's horrible. Like like Guardiola says, never mind the defense. You're defending with Edison. So yeah, it goes for the midfielders as well. Um, and yeah, you know, poor old Rodri had that horrible season of bedding in when they knew he needed to do all those things defensively better. And But they thought, well, okay, he's got time to bed in and alternate with Fernandinho. All of a sudden, Fernandinho's a centre-back, mate. You need to protect him. Oh, we're not pressing that. We're not pressing as much either. So so all the best. Um, yeah, so it's exactly the same. And, and hopefully for Phillips and, and for City's sake, then, you know, he won't have those kind of problems to deal with and he can slot in. As you were saying... You know, once once the game's done, because a couple of times, or at least once anyway, um, Rodri's been the first sub offer since the game's done. So, but now Phillips is fit. If he can be the first one on, then brilliant. Yeah. Do you think he'll he'll play a lot more than because because the, the, there was criticism of the transfer initially from outside of people who would say, well, why would you want to go and sit on City's bench? And I could see immediately how the narrative was going to develop from there because he wasn't going to play as many games as he would have done at Leeds, and then you know how the story goes from there. And I just wondered, like, is he going to play more games than I feared he would? If that makes sense. I think when I when he when he signed, I remember writing, you know, his job or his his hope really to play more than thirty games because I think. Was it Zinchenko and Fernandinho? Possibly another. Um, but those two, they didn't play more than thirty games last season. And Ake, the other one. So yeah, if you do, if you do end up in in that role, then then it, it's difficult. Um, but that's that's it, isn't it? Rodri is amazing, and he can play a lot of games. So I suppose in terms of fear of Phillips playing games, I suppose the fear is anything happening to Rodri. Because if you get to the end of the season and Rodri's played ninety percent of the games, then that's probably a good outcome, to be fair. Yeah. Um, but yeah, League Cup games. The thing is, there's no, there's no like easy League Cup game, is there? It's Chelsea. Um, but it's it's one of those, isn't it? Where if City can qualify from the Champions League group after like four games or something, then you could put him in for a couple there and League Cup and you know the games over Christmas. Oh, the Christmas calendar is different, obviously, because of yeah. the World Cup. But yeah, there'll there'll be opportunities, won't there? Everyone's talking about the World Cup making things difficult. So. There will be opportunities, but in terms of playing more than expected, um, hopefully not, because hopefully Rodri's fine. Yeah, just uh, just in terms of getting him up to speed as well, though. That's the uh, that, that's the thing, isn't it? Um, one, yeah. a, a couple of things to kind of finish on now. Um, 
I, I'm interested to to kind of get your thoughts because obviously Spurs is a is a fixture that uh, fills me with dread and fills a lot of City fans with dread, just given recent history and how they've how they've played out. If all, if August to plan and you know and the, the the game plan works, City should should come away with three points on Saturday, but we know it doesn't always work like that. Um, where should City be, do you think, by the time that we break up for the World Cup? Because just just looking at, at the runner games, I've got the fixtures up here. Um, before the World Cup, it's Spurs at home, Wolves away, United at home, Southampton at home, Liverpool away, Arsenal away, Brighton at home, Leicester away, Fulham at home, Brentford at home. There's there's a maximum there of uh, 30 more points before before the World Cup. Six of the games are at home, four of them uh, are away from home, and they're currently a point off the top of the table. Like, how do you see this kind of this run into the the, the pause going, Paul? Because there's there's a couple of games in there that I look at and think that's not going to be easy. Yeah, I think it's not going to be easy. But I also think that um, City and the squad is going to probably see them assess it like that. Now, like the main rivals are not like on on their best shape. And now is the moment where probably you fuel yourself by watching like the opponents like not winning enough games or just seeing Chelsea with Tuchel, seeing Liverpool that is not doing great to, tonight at the Champions League. Um, so that can play a part uh, as well. I think that's that's yeah that's something that can keep the team like motivated and stuff. But yeah, um, apart from that, like the fixtures are not easy. Um, I've, I mean, if if you only like to make a forecast of points, I'm 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 just really bad at that. But I think it's okay. That I've, I've got a better forecast for you to to finish the show on, so don't worry about oh, that. Oh, there you go then. Yeah, but I don't think City will lose a lot of points. If I'm honest, yeah, yeah for th- the World Cup. I I thought if I was answering, that, I was going to say I think they'll be top. Well, they should be. Yeah, I don't see yeah. why not. I'm just I, the thing that that concerns me a little bit, Sam, is that the, the the position of the World Cup is when City hit their stride, so they kind of need to hit the stride a bit earlier. Yeah, 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 very true. Yeah, 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 quite possibly. Although, like Paul saying, it, no one else is really hitting their stride either. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like I said earlier, I'm not I'm not quite sure of their level, but that's either are they excellent or are they. A bit less than excellent. Like, is it going to be a tighter race of 80 points? Or is it going to be City winning the title with, like, 95? Yeah. That's that's my only doubt. Like, may, maybe they'll be terrible. But, my, yeah, my, my only doubt is, is it going to be, are they going to be closer to the pack or are they just going to blitz it again? Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd guess the blitz as well, but with the World Cup element, we don't really know. But, yeah, those fixtures before the World Cup and how they're playing so far and the kind of games they've got. Okay, some of the games are difficult. Um, but... Mind you, mind you, I had Brighton down as a difficult one, which might not be the case if Potter has, uh, has signed for yeah. Chelsea by the time people hear this. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, that would help. Uh, it would help. Um, let's finish on uh, the goal bots because um, you, you're only going to look bad on this one, you two. So let's have a number. Uh, Harlan's got 12 goals in seven games um, because we don't count the Community Shield, I'm afraid, Paul. Um, he's only failed okay, to score you. in one of the seven that he's played in. So from each of you, um, how many goals across all competitions do you think he'll score this season? I'm going to say we have to be a specific, right? I'm gonna yeah, say yeah. I'll, 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 I'll give you leeway, so like, I'll, I'll give you closest, but yeah. 41. There you go, Sam. You can go higher or lower. Yeah. Can I'll just give my kind of ideas because what we're doing in the next couple of days is we're doing like a, a tracker for Haaland yeah. against like 
the highest goal scoring domestic goal scoring campaigns in history so there's like a, f- a few Messi ones when he got 50 and like Ronaldo when he got 48 and Messi when he got like 43 and there's Lewandowski when he got 41 a couple of years ago and there's a couple of there's a couple there's two people from the French League in 1970-71 when they got 44 and 42 which is mental I, I never knew that was a thing but it, it's imagine, so it's imagine a track not getting the golden boot with, with, with 42 because somebody else I know yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah mad um but I, so I've been, I had to kind of write the words for them. So I was looking on, you know, the, basically the transfer marked list of like Messi and Ronaldo and like of the, like the, the 35 games they played in or whatever. The, like there was one season where Messi only didn't score in five league games and it was like one, two, two, three, three, two, four, one, two. Like in terms of the amount of goals and it's like, okay, so Haaland could get, Haaland could break 32, the Premier League goal record easy but if you want to go and get 40 50 in the premier league you need to be getting like six hat tricks but he's already got two yeah <laughs> so it's like uh, you know and it, all competitions as well let's say he doesn't play much in the fa cup because let's say the first couple of rounds are against teams that are, where they rest him so the champions league is going to get about 100 um oh i'm going to Oh God! If he's if he's fit, fifty in all competitions. Oh, what a shout! Yeah. Um, and uh, finally, like that messy one, Sam, you can go first on this one. How many games, including the Bournemouth one, which is his only one so far, uh, will he feature in that he fails to scoring? Um, will it be single figures? Like, yeah, well, like I say, there were some Messi and Ronaldo ones where like, they they didn't score in like ten or eleven league games, but they still got like forty odd because they were just getting hat tricks and fours all the time. Um, so. League games, do you say? Uh, I I left this one open, so let's oh, say league games. It's probably easiest. Uh, I'm going to say ten. Yeah. Any bid uh, less than ten? Which isn't oh. bad. Yeah, I think it's going to be less than ten. Because in Sam's well, situation, he scored plays, in twenty-eight. Yeah. If he plays right, because if Julian Alvarez plays and he doesn't even feature, I mean that doesn't count, right? I don't know. I I don't make the rules. I don't know. I don't know. No, if he he starts and doesn't score, not he's on the bench. Yeah. How many games will he feature in that he fails to score in? Jesus. How we ended up in this? (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, less than 10 for sure. It's nice nice and specific. Yeah. But I can get on board with the big shouts because he's unbelievable, isn't he? Like, the article I wrote, he's a goal scoring machine in City, a chance creation machine. So, what to expect? Yeah, exactly that. Right. Well, that's the end of this week's Why Always Us. Uh, thanks as ever to Sam Lee. Thank you very much. And to Paul Bias. Thanks, lads. Don't forget, you can sign up to The Athletic right now for a pound a month for six months. Just use the code MANCITYPOD. The Athletic. <laughs>